Well, let's read our passage together. We're continuing our journey through 1 Peter, and we've hit chapter 3, and we're going to read 1 Peter 3, verses 1. I'm reading down to verse 9. In the same way, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word... They may be won without a word by the behaviour of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behaviour. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewellery or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman. And show her honour as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for Henry. Lord, thank you for the words that you've given him to share with us this morning. We just pray now for your Holy Spirit to anoint him fresh, Lord, and may he be blessed as he shares with us, and may we receive what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Amen. 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 Well, good morning again. It's great to be with you all. This is just such a wonderfully welcoming group of people. I just love it. You just feel the warmth of God's love as we share together and as we're worshipping together. Thanks so much to Ian and to Ethan for leading us. So much of God's love and his presence can be felt in this place. And the Lord is always speaking in this place of love and life and fellowship deep into our hearts to lead us to be more and more like Jesus. And as we come to these verses today that we're looking at, And as we seek to understand them, and as we seek to... I'm going to put that fly there. I don't know why. Um, We want to ask these huge questions that are behind everything that Jesus says into our lives. You ready for some big questions? These are the key things to get right. Thanks, Shirley. Is where are we going? Who are we going with? And how are we going to get there? All right? Shall I say that again? Where are we going? Who are we going with? And how are we going to get there? This was a big question this morning, which happens on quite a few Sunday mornings, is that Lydia was going to Belvedere, and uh, she was doing a few things there. She was um, supporting in the worship team and speaking as well, and then she was taking the kids, and then she needed to take loads of stuff back from City on a Hill from last weekend. So figuring out where she was going, that was Belvedere, and then who she was going with, don't forget the children. And then, uh, how is she going to get there? I've got the sat-nav and I've got all the stuff I need to go. You see, the thing is, we are all of us 
on a journey. And as we look at these things that are in this passage today that some people might really struggle to get hold of or understand, it is vital that as we think about our homes and our marriages and our families and our lives as we live them out, that we need to think clearly about where are we going, who are we going with, and how are we going to get there. You can just say it as where, who, and how, if you like. That's easier. (laughs) But actually, within the Old Testament understandings of a lot of the people that Peter was writing to, the answers to these questions were really quite clear, really quite simple. And they are things that because Jesus has come as the Messiah, as the saviour of the world, that we choose to follow in those days and in these days today, lots of those questions, where are we going, who are we going with and how are we going to get there, they get radically and wonderfully changed. They get wonderfully reshaped. And something you see right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, as soon as he begins to interact with this world that he was born into, is that for many women and their roles and their lives that they were living out, they were radically changed. They had a whole different shaping of where they were going, who they were going to go with, and how they were going to get there. And in those shapes, in those Old Testament shapes, there are lots of beautiful stories that you see, little flashes of light through the Old Testament, especially the story of Boaz and Ruth, where within the dependency that many women had to have on the lives of men, some of those things coming about really in an ugly kind of mess, you see a little flash of Jesus in the character of someone like Boaz. And what I want to say today is these words, as we read them in the New Testament, are not something that we should dismiss as out of date or dismiss as being something archaic or that we can use words like uh, context and stuff like that to be able to put it on one side. But actually, if we really get into the heart of what Peter is saying and how he's saying it and who he's saying it to, it's wonderfully and radically transforming. And in fact, it is massively empowering for all of us. Do we want to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, that was a bit louder. (laughs) Shirley, you're having a good effect. (laughs) The thing about Peter is he's writing to strangers and aliens. I don't mean green guys with three eyes. (laughs) I mean the kind of people who have been scattered, believers in Jesus, who have had a home in Israel, a home in Jerusalem, but yet it's gone out and they're having to live in many different places. They're scattered, but yet... They want to go on with Jesus. And there's a gut reaction in all of us when we are destabilised, when we are moved, when the situation around us suddenly massively changes, that we can go into what I want to call a a preservation kind of mode, a self-defence kind of mode. These things are massively familiar through these two years of lockdowns, right? (laughs) People going into a self-defence, going into a preservation, going into a kind of whatever happens, I'm going to try to keep going. And what I want to suggest is the people that Peter is speaking into, these believers who are Israelites who have come to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, could very easily have ended up in that kind of mindset, thinking whatever happens with our race scattered across this whole region, us not knowing what is home anymore. We've got to make sure we don't die out. We've got to make sure we keep going. We've got to make sure there's more generations. There was almost definitely a panic, a freaking out, 
How are we going to keep going? Are we going to be able to endure this? That is the feeling that many of us have felt during COVID. Is that right? Many people have been asking, how on earth is my family or my marriage or my home or my community going to get through this time? And there is a panic that was almost certainly going on in the people and the families that Peter was writing to. But actually, what we see in the things that he says to them then, and what God says to you and me right now, is I am with you. Do not be afraid. You can see that at the end of verse 6. Do not be frightened by any fear. All the different types of fear. We're going to come back and talk about those in a moment. But it says, do not be frightened by any fear. Because with Jesus, we know where we're going. Amen? We know who we're going with, and we know how we're going to get there. You see, in the Old Covenant, it was all wrapped up in these concepts of families and marriages and relationships. It was all held together because they knew what they were heading for, what they wanted, was to see this Messiah born. They wanted to see this King come into the world who was going to sort them out, and through them, sort out the world. They knew that's what they wanted. They knew that was what they were aiming for, what they were hoping for, what they were heading for. Who were they going to go with? Very, very easy. They were going to go with their race, go with their family, go with their chosen people, their blood relatives. Where are they going? Going to Messiah. Who are they going with? Brothers and sisters of the flesh. How are they going to get there? Very, very simply, we'll just keep as many generations going as we possibly can. (laughs) The important thing is, let's have another generation, and another one, and another one, and hope that eventually we're going to reach that moment. It's deeply heartbreaking when when you meet people who are still waiting for those things. Because the aim and the target of that objective of the Old Testament is totally fulfilled in Jesus. Do we believe that? We don't just celebrate our Christmas, but it's Christmas every week in Forest Hill. Hallelujah. Because the Messiah is born. Joy to the world. Hark, the herald angels are always singing. Because the Messiah is born. Amen? And everything of that, where, who and how, is fulfilled in Jesus. Amen? And no longer is there that journey according to the flesh that we need to worry about. Because now we have a different where, who, and how. You still with me? David's on it. The key is, we're not heading anymore hoping for the Messiah to come because he has come. Amen? We're hoping for him to come again. Is that right? We don't evangelise because it's a nice thing to do and we want to make more friends. Even though you probably will. (laughs) It's because we want to see the good news of Jesus go into all the world and then the end will come. Amen? We're a people who are going somewhere, who have a direction, who have a movement and a thrust and an energy. And I love that about you, Forest Hill Congregation. I was on the streets for a church on the street in, I think it was October, or maybe November. It wasn't very cold anyway. And uh, we sang and we worshipped on the street and we moved around the streets. Start, obviously, at the centre of Forest Hill, which is W.H. Smith's. And then then we moved up to the place that used to be the post office, but now W.H. Smith's has taken over, which... Not sure if I'm okay with. And then we went to the pub. <laughs> and there was a sense of movement, of going somewhere. Some people who were listening to us were quite annoyed about all this movement because they wanted to just follow and hear this beautiful music, this beautiful message, this wonderful direction that we are going in. Where does this world need to go? 
Jesus. Amen? Where does this direction that we are going in, it is following Jesus and looking for that coming. And the next question, now that we know that that is where we're going, who are we going with? We are going together. Amen? No longer is this a movement of who based on where you are born. This is a movement of hope and direction based on faith in Jesus. Amen? It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter who you were born to, whether it was a good time or a bad. When you believe in Jesus, you become part of a movement which is totally transforming from every nation, tribe and tongue. Amen? It is beautiful. I met someone yesterday from an island I had never heard of. In fact, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. (laughs) But I was so privileged to be able to sit with him and have an agreement and a relationship and say, you are my brother in Christ. Even though you're from a place I've never heard of before, we are privileged to be able to say we're brothers in Christ. That is who we're going with. Amen? This is no longer something we get born into, but something we believe into. Amen? And we belong as part of it. And I need to speed up a bit. (laughs) But the means by which we get there is no longer by people being born, but it's by people being born again. Amen? It's by lives being brought into this wonderful good news message of Christ. That is what is happening. And in a sense, if there is that total change of where and who and how, then inevitably the whole role of marriage and family, of men and of women is going to get changed. Are you with me? There's things being changed about our identity and about who we are and about how we're going to be part of this revolution, which is fantastic. And as I've already said, as soon as Jesus is born, the roles and the stereotypes and the expectations around who are men and who are women and how do they work and what are they allowed to do or not allowed to do starts to get changed. Is that right? Who are the first ones to see the resurrection? Is it men or women? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who's the one who got a visitation from Gabriel to say, I'm going to change the world through your life? Mary, yeah. Bring it on. The revolution already began. Say hallelujah. Because there is a massive, massive change. And we need to shake off every idea that in some ways marriage and family and kids in those ways is some kind of requirement within the kingdom of God. Hear me when I say this. We are all of us complete in Jesus. Amen? Whatever Hollywood tells you or Disney movies, they are wrong. (laughs) You are complete in Christ. Amen? You don't need a prince on a, on a, uh, a horse with a sword or a wife in a pink dress. What you need is that... Which one is that? Is that Snow White? No. Cinderella. (laughs) Lies, my friends. (laughs) That's what it is. But I, I, um, I, I do like Disney movies. Uh, but the thing is, sometimes implicitly, sometimes explicitly, these things are spoken over our lives. And sadly, it's still rampant. You know, I, I had the torture of having three sisters when I grew up. And they loved, they loved Pride and Prejudice. Oh my word, that was the worst television series. They used to watch it on loop, on VHS, and it, it was horrendous. Because the entire book is obsessed with an identity wrapped up in looking like all the other people around you. 
and being part of this family bubble which everyone else is going to then think that you are complete. Wow, how much did they need Jesus? <laughs> so much. If anyone meets them... Actually, no, it's a story, isn't it? Okay. But if you meet anyone like them, in glory, reassure them that Jesus loves them. And yes, within households, within families, there is enormous blessing. Hear me when I say there can be incredible blessing that we pass on to every one of those kids that we've just prayed for. But my friends, they cannot know that salvation through their bloodline. They need to know it through Jesus. Amen? And his blood, which is shed on the cross, my blood can never be good enough. You see, it's not better and it's not worse to have a family. But actually, it's not a responsibility to God either. What it is, is all about his love. Amen? And we can find that as parents or husbands or wives as we talk about households and families now. We can often feel that, that we're giving out a lot of love and not getting a lot, a lot back, right? It can break things open. It can destroy families where we don't feel and experience that. And what we need is the love of God to weave in there. And if it doesn't weave into your family and into your household, as we're going to look out in a moment, you are not separated from the love of God in any place that you are. Do you believe that today? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And this is why Peter is such an important character. This is why Peter is not one who goes off on a lot of missionary journeys, but he stays there in Jerusalem to make sure that this transition of the old where, who and how from the Old Testament is making its way into the new. Peter is helping that journey. He's helping that transition there. A lot of people criticise Peter and the Jerusalem church and say, why aren't they out there more? Why don't they have a horse like Paul? We don't know if Paul did have a horse. (laughs) But why are they not out there evangelising more? Because God had said to them, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem to make sure that the old covenant where and who and how is fully morphed into this new one is fully transformed by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why Peter is writing this today. And that's why in verse 7, not in verse 7, in verse 1, sorry, he starts to talk about winning people for Jesus. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But there's this sense of winning people for Jesus, which is not just about the things that we say. It's not about the words that come out of the preach, but it's the very lifestyle that we are living. And winning people in this beautiful and wonderful New Testament way is to be able to say that for all of us, in this new where and how and who, I got that the wrong way around this time, didn't I? (laughs) In this new journey, this new definition of what it means to be God's people, in all of it, we are on this mission every moment of every day. Amen? in our every moment, in our every action, in absolutely everything we do, we can be saturated with the good news of Jesus. Hallelujah. You ready to go to the verse one with me now? I'm so sorry the introduction had to take so long. But I felt with Roger here today, I needed to mirror that kind of style. (laughs) There are some key words in verse one and verse two, which are submission and respect. And some people want to dismiss these verses immediately when they hear those kind of words because it sounds like trapping and it sounds like slavery. But actually they're an imitation of what we had just a few 
verses earlier in chapter 2 when it's talked about people having a calling, a mission to share about the gospel of Jesus in their workplace. It's talked to servants and it's said, I want you to be submissive and I want you to have respect. That doesn't mean being squashed and it doesn't mean being crushed, but it means having an action and a lifestyle and a very manner about you which is utterly determined by the cross of Jesus. And so here, when wives are being spoken to, these wives here are specifically being spoken to who have come to believe in Jesus before their husbands have. And they're in a strange situation. Perhaps it's even that these husbands are living still with that definition of where they're going in the Old Testament. And their wives have perhaps found the truth of Christ in the New Testament. And there is, in a sense, a, a struggle going on there, a confusion going on there, wondering how on earth is this going to work out in our home life. But actually, what Peter is very, very clearly saying is, in the same way as I've spoken to you about your calling at work, that I want you to share the good news of Jesus in the way you treat people in your workplace, I want to empower you to be able to do that at home as well. You see what he's saying, what Peter is teaching you and me about our lives at home. And I'm not talking about just marriages. I'm talking about anyone that we spend our time with in a home context. You are being empowered to be able to win people for Jesus. Those people that we are close to, those people that we spend our everyday moments with, those who we see on the streets, those who are around our homes, those who are in our homes, those who see us closely. He is saying, you are empowered, you are entrusted, you are called to be able to live a life that looks like the cross so as to win them for Jesus. And when we talk about winning, that is the key word here. Not winning an argument. Not winning a competition. Not winning something to be able to say, do you know what? I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) Anyone ever had that issue in their home? (laughs) We have it all the time. As I was preparing for this, I thought, wow, I really need to surrender all that stuff to the Lord because we don't need to win anything. (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know that? You haven't got to prove anything. There is no weight on your shoulder to be able to be the one who's in the right because you have already been made right by the cross of Jesus. And I want you to hear that today, brothers and sisters. And even I want us to be able to pray for that today because there's so often a criticism that comes on our lives, right? Call yourself a Christian? Ever heard that? (laughs) Call yourself a holy person. Call yourself a churchgoer. There's an accusation that comes so much in our lives. There's a toughness and a challenge that falls upon us. And what the Lord wants to do is release us today from being those who feel like we have to win because actually we win by laying ourselves down in the Jesus-type way. Is that right? Be released from those kind of arguments. Be released from that kind of heaviness because it is Jesus who has won. Amen? It is Jesus who has overcome on the cross. And actually when our words run out, (laughs) my words run out all the time, especially when my kids are asking me tough questions. (laughs) Dad, 
you are such a hypocrite. And I go, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) But I know that if I love them, and if I love those around me with the love that we see on the cross of Jesus, then their lives can be one. Amen? Even if we are living in an atmosphere and a situation where things are so, so tough, we can win with Jesus. Let's jump down to verse 3 very quickly. The key word is about this adornment, the things that we're wearing, the things that we're getting dressed in, and the ways that we do this. And this is very deep. Because what you could say on the surface of it is, hey, you're a Christian now, so you don't need to worry wearing nice clothes or makeup or brush your hair. You can be scruffy because Jesus loves you. Hallelujah. That's uh, sometimes my attitude, especially on a day off. <laughs> but that's not what it's saying at all. This is something far, far deeper. And actually we're engaging in a really deep moment where the Lord is speaking through Peter, right deeply into our marriages and saying, actually, the marriage that you are in, the relationship that you are in, especially if you are both believers, is that actually this is no longer something in a pride and prejudice kind of way (laughs) where you need to worry about what everyone else thinks. The adornment of your lives, the adornment of your marriage, the kind of person that people speak of your life in judgment, I want you to be set free. And the Lord is speaking these words in verse 4 into our marriages. And I don't know all your marriages in this room. I don't know whether there are marriages here that have broken down, that have been in the past, that are being hoped for into the future. And I want to come really, really humbly to you today with this lovely verse 4 and say, Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. There is such, such beauty when we love one another because we have the opportunity to release the blessing of Christ. And we're going to pray into that in a moment. We'll even make some time to to move around and pray for you if you want to receive that. But... It is the quiet place. As we're moving away, exactly as I've said, from a, a place where marriage and family was, was so woven in with wanting to keep going God's people and all those struggles of the Old Testament. All of that is released, brothers and sisters. All of those things of when people might look at our marriages and try and figure them out, might speak judgment, might say, hey, your husband or your wife is way better than mine making comparisons, making judgments, saying, oh, your wife or your husband isn't going to like that. What the Lord is saying is that there's a quiet place. There is a peaceful place. Into the struggles or strifes that only you might understand. The Lord is saying, I want to give you a gentle and a quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. And I want to say that really, really humbly. I want to say that as someone who's made massive mistakes in my life, where people often say, oh, you're doing so well, you're such a good husband, and I know in my heart, (laughs) no, there's been so many mistakes that I've made. But what I know is that it is the choice that matters. Amen? It is the decision that matters, that we're going to choose that, yes, I want to bless. Yes, I want to love. Yes, I want to have what is going to be a spirit of release and love 
And do you know, whatever anyone else says about marriage, whatever other people think they can figure out about your relationship, the only one that really matters is the Lord. Amen? I want to say this on my knees. I want to say this deep from the heart. The only one that really matters is Jesus. Amen? Let's be released from the way the world wants to pressurise our marriages and our relationships. And there are so many struggles that I couldn't list them (laughs) of how that can often happen in this world. But what I want to say is the answer and the life and the love and the healing and the release comes from him. Amen? I want to come back and talk about being complete in a moment. But just before that, let me just underline again that actually we don't need to be frightened by any fear. Can you see that in verse 6? Do not be frightened by any fear. Sometimes there are acute fears in marriages where people end up even being afraid of one another and there is terrible pain and abuse and the Lord is able to heal those things and rescue us and save us. But there are other fears that can be more subtle where we can be afraid of being judged, where we can be afraid of being lonely, where we can be afraid of the consequences of the failings we have made. And what I want to tell you today is that the love and the life and the healing of the Holy Spirit is available in our marriages. Amen? Amen. I set the alarm really early this morning so that I could take some more time to prepare, sharing this time with you. And um, it, was, it was six o'clock and um, I got up really early and uh, made us some coffee. I can't function without a coffee in the morning. <laughs> uh, and then as I, I started to want to, uh, to prepare, Lydia was sharing on this same passage this morning in Belvedere Congregation. And actually, all we could do in those moments, instead of preparing and, and reading and thinking, was just to pray. <laughs> and just to pray. And to pray for you. And to pray for us. And to pray for our movement. And to pray for our nation in this time. Because all of our marriages and our homes and our families desperately need more of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We need more of his love to flow through our lives because verse 7 expresses it so, so wonderfully as it's speaking to husbands and it's saying this stuff clearly, trying to break down the pride and the dominance that can flow through too many men. It's saying we are fellow heirs. Fellow heirs heirs together equal status in Christ do we believe that say I love being with you fellows tell the person next to you I love being with you fellows I love being a fellow heir with you brothers and sisters friends in this place I love being fellow heirs with you and actually there is a bond of love that flows through our lives I want to say it one more time. Even though it's a line that Tom Cruise says in Jerry Maguire, you do not complete me. (laughs) Jesus completes us. Amen? Amen. Whatever Snow White and Cinderella and Belle and Ariel and all the rest say, it is Jesus who makes us complete. Amen? And if we look for that completion in one another, we will destroy each other because we cannot be one another's saviours. However big our noble steed, and however long our sword. It is the beauty of being made complete in Christ. Is that right? And we really want to receive that love and that life and that blessing. 
And actually there are covenant promises that we make in our marriages. There's going to be a Belvedere congregation wedding in this building in September. Thank you for lending it to us. <laughs> it's, uh, it's James getting married to Harriet and um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a wonderful time. And uh, they've asked me to, to lead that meeting through and um, already what I want to be able to share in that time is that the covenant promise and life that they make together is something so, so beautiful. But really to sum it up is this incredible concept of blessing. Verse 8 and verse 9. To sum up, all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And it goes back to right back at the beginning of everything that it means to be God's people on this earth. God spoke to Abraham. We've already had Sarah and Abraham mentioned in these verses. He says, I want to bless you to be a blessing. That is in a sense, a summing up of what it means to be God's people bearing this good news, to win people to Jesus, is that we are blessed to be a blessing. And what I want to pray for today is that God's blessing flows into every one of our family situations. (laughs) Every one of our homes, every one of our relationships, marriages, children, things that are there, pain that is there, blessing sums it all up so, so beautifully. Those three questions that we started with is where I really want to finish today. Forest Hill congregation and anyone else who listens to this on the recording on the Forest Hill website. I don't know the URL, but greetings to you. You are blessed to know where you are going. You are blessed because you can believe that he is coming again. Amen? And that is where the healing that every one of our lives so desperately needs flows from. Jesus is coming again. If there is healing needed in our relationships or relationships from the past, marriages that ended too early or are painful or are difficult to live with, let us believe that there is the blessing of healing coming in Jesus. Amen? Is that where we're going? I can't hear you. Is that where we're going? (laughs) Hallelujah. Number two, we're blessed to know who we go with. We do belong together as the family of God. Amen? Amen. And that doesn't mean that your family at home is replaced. It means that we beautifully are able to define the family of God together. Amen? We are brothers and sisters in Jesus. When we say the family of God, that doesn't mean that that Debbie is your new (laughs) mum. It means that she is there as a fellow sister in Christ to be able to help all of us to be defined by our Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. You are blessed to know where you belong. And actually, we really are blessed. How are we going to get there, people? (laughs) How are we going to get there? You know, we don't always know what to say. In fact, most of the time, we don't know what to say, except I'm really sorry I didn't wash up again. (laughs) But we are blessed to know the way that we should behave because it simply means to follow Jesus. It simply means to say, Lord, I don't know how to go forward. Lord, these things are so hard. And actually, because we're blessed to know what to believe, we're blessed to know where we belong, we're also blessed to know 
how to behave. The Lord helps us to do it. Amen? And actually, there is so much that can feel unjust and wrong in our relationships or our home situations. But actually, the Lord wants to release a new stream of blessing today. We want to take a little bit of time to pray for you. I'm going to ask if Ian and the team could could come back up. And they're going to lead a song for us gently, maybe even two, if we've got time. But actually, the Lord really knows what is going on in our lives. The Lord really gets it. He understands. And what I want to say today is that in this world, the Lord's power for blessing and releasing this blessing, being blessed to be a blessing, is so completely and unreservedly available to you and to me. So just as as Ian begins to play now, let's just, um, shall we close our eyes for a moment? And um, Yeah, Lord, we just want to welcome your Holy Spirit in this place now. Lord Jesus, Lord, we want to welcome your Holy Spirit in this place now. Lord Jesus, Lord, we really, Lord, we really want to come, Lord, in total submission and surrender to you. Lord, just as the disciples, Lord, we say here in this place, Lord, we don't know how to pray as we need to pray. But Lord, we know that you really are the answer. Lord, you really are the deliverer. Lord, you really are the saviour. Jesus. Lord, I do want to pray right now, Lord, your blessing, Lord, over each one of our lives in this room here, Lord. If you want to start just receiving blessing from the Lord for your situations, why don't you open your hands now to just receive. And um, Thank you, Lord. Jesus. I feel so much of the Lord's uh, heart and um, compassion in this room. For us, for uh, many people and, and situations that uh, some people are facing. His heart of compassion and blessing and love, healing, restoration is just being poured out now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just want to come before you now, Lord, with our arms open wide, with our hearts open wide, Lord Jesus, and say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you in our lives. We need you in our families. We need you in our homes, in our marriages. Lord, we need you. Lord, we want to ask you to fill us. Lord, we want to ask you to bless us to be a blessing. Jesus. few of us are just going to come round and just um, lay a hand on anyone who wants to be prayed for.